We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, Notre Dame fans, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. My name is Brian Driscoll. I'm the publisher at IrishBreakdown.com, and I am joined today by this guy over here, Vince Dario, our football analyst. Woo! And Vince, today we're going to play four different clips from uh, from Tommy Reese and comments he made in his last Notre Dame press conference. And we're going to dive into them, and we're going to talk about, number one, we're just going to talk about the, the comments and what he's saying. And right. Of that will be are we seeing in the video clips the things that he's talking about and then sure. also what does it mean for Notre Dame you know because coaches can say all types of things but what is yeah. it what the things he's saying what do they mean for Notre Dame and the future of the Notre Dame offense and, and that's what we're going to dive into today so that is going to be the conversation because you and I have had some very interesting conversations about um about Coach Reese's comment so uh let's dive in first and I want to start off uh, the first one he talked about, because I got some stats for this, because it's very interesting. And I, oh, okay. I have a feeling that the stats I'm going to use are going to surprise a lot of people, including you, because they surprised me when okay. I when I put them together. Because, you know, sometimes you go into a, a analysis and you have a you have a, a opinion that you have based on gut feeling, things like right. that. And then you actually do the research and you're like, oh, <clears throat> that's a whole lot different than I right. thought it was going to be. So, right. I thought that Notre Dame's numbers were going to look similar, but a little bit below other top teams. And, and I'm comparing Notre Dame to Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma. And in reality, they're not only the same, but in, in many instances, they're they're more. And we'll get into that because I'm being okay. a little cryptic here. But I, I want to begin with a, a a quote, a comment that Coach Reese, uh, he was asked by Adam Rittenberg of ESPN about – um. 
Well, it looks like we lost Brian for a moment. Uh, so I guess you get me for a second. And oh, there he is. He's back. Uh, let's get him up in the stream. It was such an interesting comment that I just couldn't even talk about. <laughs> it's like all of a sudden he's gone. Yeah. So so it was he was asked a, he was asked a question by Adam Rittenberg of ESPN about right. throwing the ball down the field. Okay. And this is a big frustration of mine that a lot of people that don't really never played the game or, or just kind of reporters uh, that frustrates the heck out of me. Cause it's yes. like, in their view, it's just, we're just going to chuck it downfield all day to get big plays. Right. I thought his comment was great, but I also have some data to back up why I think his, his comments are, were on point. So let's, let's get into that Vince. And we're going to first begin with coach you, Reese's you comment. Touch on this when you talked about Lawrence, but how, how much of an emphasis is explosive plays down the field in the passing game for you guys? I mean, you, you see what's happening around college football and who's winning national titles. I, I know it's always been important, but is there a new emphasis or goals or how, how are you just stressing that? Uh, and, and where do you think your ability is as a group to, to, to do better there this year? The biggest farce going is that to create explosive every throw has to be 55 yards that's not really the case you can watch whoever you want a lot of those explosive plays come in creating opportunities for your best players to have space and to be in a one-on-one -on -one opportunity so if we can create space using the width of the field to create opportunity if we can also then attack vertically with the speed we have that's what leads to explosives that's been obviously an emphasis for us is, um, you know, especially in the quarterback room, we talk about vertical shots. Look, if we call a vertical shot on second and two, um, we have to be able to manage the situation. If we don't get the right coverage, if we don't get the look we want, we have to get, be able to get ourselves into an efficient play and move the chains because then we can call a shot again, all right, because we're moving the chains. Uh, the other thing there is, is the quarterback's understanding, um, you know, what are the premier looks to stretch the field? How do we want to take advantage of certain things that the defense is doing? And then obviously putting our right players in the right position. So throughout spring, we have been um, exploring opportunities to get down the field in different sets, um, doing some different things in terms of motions and putting guys in different spots to allow them to get um, favorable matchups where we can now use our speed to our advantage. So Vince, let's begin there was so much good stuff in that little clip. So much good stuff. So to begin, there's this notion that that teams, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and, and Oklahoma, just throw the ball down the field way more right. than Notre Dame. So I did some research, and I look okay. at 2019 and 2018 because I okay. feel like 20, 2020 was just such a weird year. It's kind of sure. hard to really dive into the data. So I looked at it from this standpoint. I looked at pro football focus and the number of, of pass attempts by the starting quarterback. So in 2018, for example, I took Brandon Wimbush and Ian Book's numbers from the games they started, uh, did the same thing with, with other quarterbacks. So, But anyway, I, I looked at the numbers, and I, and I look at it two ways. Number one is the number of attempts that pro football focus uh, has in regards to the, the pass attempts of 20 yards or more okay. past the line of scrimmage, right? And then the second aspect of it is what's the number of per game and then what's the percentage of their throws that were beat 20 yards or more down the field. So if you look at 2019, Notre Dame averaged 4.8 throws per game by their starting quarterback now of 4.8 throws of at least 20 yards per game. Alabama with Tua Tungvalu and Mac Jones averaged 4.5. Trevor Lawrence averaged 4.9. 
Jalen Hurts averaged 4.7. Ohio State with Justin Fields was the only one that was significantly higher, 5.6. Notre Dame averaged 15.8% of their throws. Alabama was 15%. Uh, Clemson was 17.9. Ohio State was 22. And Oklahoma was 19.4. So Notre Dame was within range of Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State and Oklahoma were significantly higher. 2018 with Ian Book and Brandon Wimbush. Notre Dame had 78 throws of at least 20 yards past the line of scrimmage, which was more than Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, or Oklahoma, and Notre Dame played one fewer game. Notre mm. Dame averaged six t- shots per game of at least 20 yards down in the field. Six. In 2019 and 2018, 2018, Ohio State in 2019 with 5.6 was the closest to Notre Dame. In 2018, with Tua Tungvaloa at quarterback, Alabama averaged 4.6 per game. Notre Dame was at 6. Clemson with Trevor Lawrence and Kelly Bryant was at 5. Ohio State with Dwayne Haskins was only at 5.1. And Oklahoma with Kyler Murray was at 5.5. So Notre Dame averaged more deep shots per game than all those teams. And the percentage of their throws, Notre Dame was at 18.8. Alabama was 16.2, Clemson 14.9, Ohio State 13.5%, and Oklahoma was over with 20.4. Here's something else, Vince. Did you know that Notre Dame starting quarterbacks attempted more passes in 2019 and 2018 than than, uh, Oklahoma's quarterbacks? Notre Dame throws the ball more than Oklahoma. And this is the whole point. Notre Dame throws the ball down the field. They have to get better at throwing the ball down the field. But so those were all the, attempts, correct? Those were all deep attempts. So it's attempts, it's not Notre Dame's taking their shots down right. the field. In some of those years, Notre Ian Book was over fifty percent throwing the ball down the field in twenty nineteen completion wise. So the attempt wise, but then. So that's kind of part of it there. It's not about the volume of attempt. It's about creating opportunities. And this is where I got sure. super excited about what Coach Reese said. The first part, Vince. And you tell me if this is the thing that caught stuff exactly up to you. What you're gonna say, I yeah. love that he said you throwing the ball the, a far, to have explosives. It's it's a farce to say that you have to throw the ball down the field. That Absolutely. is so accurate. It's the least efficient play in football. The Correct. least efficient play in football. His first thing he talked about, and this is a word he said. He said space and one on ones. Then the second part, it's like Vince, if he were to have listened to our shows in the last month and said, did. you know what. I'm just going to say a bunch of things that Driscoll one is going to be happy about and Vince is going to be happy about. That's what I'm going to say in the podcast today. If you'd have told me he did that, I don't think it would have changed any of his answers. Right. It was wonderful. Space, one-on-ones, and, and making de- – Well, get to that. Okay, Then sorry. making defenses defend width right. and length. We just got done talking about that last week, Vince. But Correct. just kind of what was your initial reactions to, number one, what he said, and number two – are we seeing this? I mean, when you watch the practice film, are you seeing this? I am seeing it uh, based on who is catching the ball out of the backfield. Now, we are seeing some deep shots. Don't get me wrong. Um, seeing a lot of deep shots this we, we, spring. And, which is great. Which and there's great nothing wrong with deep shots. By because the when, you, when you exploit the width of the field, that opens up the deep ball. Because mm-hmm. teams have to adjust to you, and they're not as worried about the deep ball. So I love the fact that not only are they practicing to to get width and, and things of that nature, but then also to get length. I mean, th- those two things go hand in hand. So I'm cool with with all of that. Now, when he started talking about one-on-ones, width of the field, and motions, those are the three things that got me excited because when you think about when Notre Dame played Alabama, right? 
it was a clinic in how to get Devontae Smith open. Okay. They put Despite him in motion. The fact Notre Dame was going to be gearing their entire game plan Correct. towards preparing for Devontae. And, and who Correct. had one of the best defensive coordinators in the game and who in the last three years has had one of the pa- best pass defenses in college sure. football, statistically. I just want to throw that context no, no, no. out there for this. Absolutely. But what they did was they made a concerted effort to get him open. They put They got him in full sprint motions when it was a man-to-man situation, so that he already had a step on his man before the ball was even snapped. And you couldn't press him. Yep. Exactly correct, because he's a smaller dude, and it, uh, smaller guys are difficult to press. Now, he's got speed, obviously, but he doesn't have burner speed, right? Mm-hmm. So if you – they're still going to play off of him, so they're already giving him the advantage of uh, – you know, of, of, and they took it, because there was a couple times where he took three steps and they threw him the ball. That's mm-hmm. attacking the width. Right, that's giving what the de- that's taking what the defense gives. His first you. touchdown was a twenty-something yard touchdown of a ball he caught behind the line of scrimmage. Correct. So that that's what I'm saying, and I love the fact that he is he's talking about getting guys in one-on-one situations. Because mm-hmm. Notre Dame has the athletes, they have the wide receivers, they have the running backs. They talk about Kyron Williams mm-hmm. getting out more. Right? They've actually said that. And okay. we've, seen, we've seen it in practice. And we've seen it. We've seen him lined up in the slot. We've seen him going in motion. We've seen him catching the ball out of the backfield. So, or I mean, out of a, a wide receiver position, right? So those are the things that excite me because, look, he's not listening to what we have to say, but at the same time, Might he's as well doing have been. exactly what we wanted him to do. I mean, they're using – yeah, and, and and when he refers back to Jack Cohn, and I think we, we're going to get we'll into get this. To that. Yeah. I'll wait on that. But um, I, I love what he's saying. He he is saying exactly what you and I were praying for. Uh, you know, football praying. Uh, yeah. What we were hoping for, I should say. That's a better terminology, better use of terminology. I'm not going to lie. I've said a prayer too. About, <laughs> about I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but it's exactly what we wanted. Yeah. It, it's in a way to take Notre Dame's offense to the next level. Right. So, so Vince, for me, I, I, I hear these comments and I read his comments and, and, and he talks about, number one, it's not needing, not having to rely on the deep ball to be more effective, right? But you still need to take shots. I love shots. that he said it was a farce. That was yes, my favorite that was beautiful. part And he comment. was like fired up about it. Yeah. I, I loved it. But he, yes. he said two things at first that, number one, were important, which is space, creating space, which is that width of the field thing. Right. So far, so so many times for Notre Dame in recent seasons, and more so in 2020 than than at any point in time, it was so much easier to to condense your defense to defend Notre Dame, and and because of the two and three tight ends, and, and that doesn't mean you can't use two and three tight ends, and and we're not going to talk about that today. But he talked a lot about taking you know Michael Mayer to the next step, and he talked about 2012 sure. with Tyler Eifert when Notre Dame move Tyler Eifert all over the field. I think we're going to see some of that with Michael Mayer. Sure. But the width of the field, the, the more you space teams out, it to me, it improves your offense in two areas. Number one, it helps your running game. If you're more effective lining up outside, if you have Kyron Williams in the slot to the same side of the field as Braden Lindsey, you've got either Kevin Austin or whoever, you know, Joe, uh, Joe Wilkins or sure. Jordan Johnson or whoever else you have backside. And then you've got Michael Mayer somewhere in there. Okay, now you have that as a pass look. If teams don't respect that, you're throwing screens and downfield shots to Kyron Kyron Williams and Braden Lindsey all day. If you do spread out and you do, now you have Chris Tyree in the backfield, right? And so now you have at least one less box defender. Now your safeties have to be more concerned about what's going on behind them. 
Okay. And there were some other things he said that we're going to get into that, that add to this and add value to this. But to me, these things are going to make Notre Dame better running the football. Sure. And that's a big thing for me because we talked Huge. about this last year. Notre Dame was very good running the football despite the fact they were constantly being faced with, with loaded boxes. Sure. And it just says how good the offensive line was. That's not going to be like that this year. Well, and that's a way that you help out your offense. By spreading right. out your offense, you are giving your offensive line a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as they grow and as they mature, they're going to get better right. and better, and you can do different things with them, but that is a huge help. The other part of it is you talked about the motions, and he talked about one-on-ones, different sets, one-on-ones, and, and matchups or things he talked about, using motions and things right. like that. And here's why that's important. So I broke down the when I was doing that article recently on, on Notre Dame's offense being more multiple and different things, I, I looked at Javon McKinley against Clemson in the ACC title game. And, and basically, I, I got into the fourth quarter when I stopped counting because it was getting close to when it was just – it. It didn't matter. And I counted Javon McKinley lined up somewhere other than the boundary, only seven snaps. You go back, you go back and watch most other offense. And that's been true at Notre Dame for a while. Chase sure. Claypool didn't move around a whole lot. And some of the times they did move him around, like the Iowa State Navy games, he had huge games. You might remember that seam route he caught for a touchdown against Navy. Remember that? Because Navy had wasn't seeing that and then they didn't know how to match up to it. And all of a sudden you've got Chase Claypool lined up against a safety going down the middle of the field. You remember that right. throw? It was early against Navy for a touchdown. It was a gorgeous ball by Ian Book. You now it's like, okay, when you face Notre Dame, 90% of the time you're gonna know where Javon McKinley is, you're gonna know where Braden Lindsay is, you're gonna know where Avery Davis is gonna be. He's gonna be on the slot somewhere. When you look at uh, Alabama, to your point, Notre Dame didn't know where Devontae Smith was going to be from one play to the next. Without changing personnel, you didn't know where he was going to be happening. Like, there was no way you could get into tells to say, hey, we this is where we know he's going to be. Out of this right. personnel group, right. we know Devontae's going to be the slot to the field or slot to the boundary or outside field or outside boundary. You just couldn't get a read on it. And you sure. see this with a lot, of, a lot of teams. You know, Ohio State does this, not as much as Alabama, but Ohio State does this. Those things also make it much harder for you to then match up and game plan against your best players. And it allows you to create more one-on-one. So not only does it does it, it, it helps in that regards. And then the final piece is, Vince, the more you're good at throwing the ball outside quickly, the more those safeties start coming down, that's when you open up more downfield one-on-ones. And that's where you're going to see the vertical passing game get that much better. And that's that's what excited me about what Coach Reese sure. said. And, and we are seeing it in the practice film. Yeah. That's the other thing is we're seeing those quick perimeter throws and we're seeing get the ball getting outside quickly. And then we're also seeing shots. The other piece of this is the more spacing you create for width, the better it, the easier it is for you to attack teams vertically. And what and when you look at Alabama, go back and watch Alabama last year in every game other than the Notre Dame game. Watch Ohio State with this in the last two years. They are so good at using the width to then create vertical stretches, right, Vince? So a vertical stretch in football is a top to top down, right? Right, right. Even though a vertical – four verts is actually a horizontal stretch, right? So we're talking now concepts. If you're forcing teams to defend for width, it makes it a lot easier for you to create those levels concepts that Alabama is so good with you're like, how does Devontae Smith get 10 yards open all the time? You know, we saw this in the championship game against Ohio State. You're like, how does it get open? Because they spread you out so much that then when they attack you vertically, you have these big openings in your sure. game. And that is also something we've seen 
from Notre Dame this spring. Not as much because it's not great for a condensed highlight, but it is something that we're seeing. Let's play the next yeah. video, Vince, and and we'll uh, we'll get to more. This this video is is uh, uh, Tommy Reese comparing Ian Book and Jack Cohn, or trying not to compare the two, um, but also but still saying a lot, Say, trying to not touch the subject, but still saying a lot. At least that's how I took it. So let's let's play this one. Look, I'm not a huge fan of comparing guys. I never have been. Um, you know, some of the things that made Ian great was the creativity, his ability to extend plays, his ability to buy time and get the ball outside. Um, you know, I think, like I said at the, at the start, you know, one of Jack's strengths is playing from the pocket. It's seeing things. Um, he's an, He's got excellent feel within the pocket in terms of when to climb up, when to slide, uh, when to move, and his eyes never really seem to dip. He does a nice job of keeping a level focus down the field um, and being able to drive the ball to different areas of the, of the field. So um, is he the creator or the runner that Ian is? Probably not. Does he do some things in the pocket where he's able to um, operate there that maybe Ian didn't always do? Probably. But they're both really good players in their own right, and it's just going to be a different approach in terms of, of how the quarterback position is coached. So, Vince, what are your thoughts on that? I, I, to me, I took it as – this is going to be more of a pocket-oriented passing game. That's exactly the way. I t- and it, and I and I think it was kind of a I don't know if a warning is the right word, but like a kind of a a public service announcement that look, the quarterback position is going to be played differently this year than it has the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. It, it's not going to be, you know. Uh, and, and this is not a knock on Ian Book, but it's not going to be you know fl- running out of the pocket you right. know, instantly and, and creating offense, right? It, that's that's not what this is going to look like. It's going to look like a quarterback who has pocket presence um, and who is going to stay in the pocket, keep his eyes downfield, and get the ball in the hands of the playmakers, you know? And, look, we've all watched Jack Cohn film. He's not going to be afraid to push it downfield. We know this based on the offense that we've seen, the offense mm-hmm. that's being talked about. That's not what I'm talking about. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed getting the ball in the playmakers. I mean, that, yes, there's going to be screens and there's going to be this, that, but he is more uh, in the, the Mac Jones mold, right? Mm-hmm. Just for comparison purposes, right? He's going to stay in the pocket. He's not going to have a bunch of yards rushing. Can he? Yeah. When I mean, we talked about it in the last podcast, I believe about, you know, if it's third and two and you run a read option, he can get you those two yards, you know, if he decides to keep it right. Um, but that's not going to be the primary focus of this offense. They're not right. going to be utilizing his athletic ability. They're going to be utilizing his right arm and his pocket presence, and it's going to look different 
than the Notre Dame offense has looked for the last two and a half years. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. I think it's going to look a lot more like the 2018 offense when Ian Book took over. That's what I think it's going to look like. Yeah, RPOs and quick thinking. And, I mean, and Ian Book completed 70% of his passes right. that year. He was barely over 60 the last couple Right, years. right, right, right. I mean, he was at like 64 this year, and that was <clears> due to a couple games against weak opponents. The 2018 schedule was, was challenging. I mean, it's more far more challenging than this year's schedule, in my opinion. And and when I look at when I look at it too, here's the big key. And and he he made a comment, and it wasn't in this clip. He made a comment when talking about the quarterbacks there and and developing. There were some comments he made where it was obvious that that they understood Ian Book's limitations. They understood that Ian Book was not a guy that was going to process full field reads and get the ball out to a guy, right. you know, on a deep drag route on on time unless that was his primary one two read. And and Jack Cohn is can be that guy. Drew Pine can be that guy. So to your point, Vince, it's not better, not worse. It's just going to be different. It's different. But yeah, exactly. You have to have that type of offense, <clears throat> that type of quarterback play if you're going to do the things we talked about at the beginning. Those matchups, those one-on-ones in space, if you don't have a trigger man, then it's not going to work. And I wrote right. an article the term. other day a good term. that, that I, I've, I've got this phrase I like to use, and maybe other people use it. I don't know. I don't read as much of what other people say. But I call it a point guard quarterback. And as I assumed, some people took that as game manager. I'm not talking about it being a game manager. Right. Drew Brees is a point guard quarterback, Right. A point guard quarterback is not a guy that's got a, like like elite physical tools, but he is a guy that's just going to – Mac Jones is a point guard quarterback. Yes, it's, exactly. I'm going to read it, and I'm going to get the ball where it needs to go. I'm going to get it on time. I'm going to get it accurate. I'm going to throw guys open. Yeah. I'm not going to fit the ball between 17 different defenders, right? <laughs> right. Trevor Lawrence can do that. That's why he's going to be the number one pick. Correct. But you don't have to have this bazooka for an arm to get there. And, and so when I look at the two quarterbacks they have now, Jack Cohn and Drew Pine – I see them as being point guard quarterbacks. Again, that doesn't mean game manager. That means guys that are just going to pick you apart and get – it's the difference between a Magic Johnson and a John Stockton, right? Sure. The difference between those two is Magic can take a game over. John Stockton couldn't. But if you put weapons around John Stockton, they were going to be really, really good. And in the years where they had that, they they were good. So to me, that is where I see – a big difference at quarterback this year. Now, now does there going to be a few more sacks in the pocket this year, I think, than we saw last year where some of Ian's especially with, were outside the pocket? Especially with the offensive line. I mean, right. those those two things are going to crush heads, if you will. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, it's just going to be what it is. Right, you know? and, and that's going to happen. You're going to have to live with that. But I, I think we're also going to see an offense that's, that's a much more efficient pass game. Correct. And, and efficiency is not just – it's not just about yards per attempt, but it's also about consistently moving the chains to create opportunities where you can then take some big shots. And he talked about that in a different clip that we're not going to play. 
you know, where, where he talked about maybe actually maybe he did talk about it during that that one where it was in front of Adam Rittenberg, where it's about managing the shot opportunities. But that oh, that only works if teams are concerned about your, your defending for the width. Notre Dame last year was a box vertical team. That's what they were. They were going to run the football or they're going to take a deep shot. And to me, it's a it's a lot easier to defend that it, when you're the elite teams. Even a team like Louisville was able to defend it because they could take away the deep shots, and then just you know you limit the big plays, and Notre Dame's offense couldn't do a whole lot. Right, right. And we saw that Notre Dame couldn't rip off big plays against Louisville. They scored twelve freaking points against a team that went three and seven. And, and so when Notre Dame was ripping off big shots, however, against Clemson in the in the regular season, they get the big run early. They get two first half shots to to Javon McKinley. And that's what got him in position to, to to win that game was, and then late in the game, it's the big shot to Avery Davis. But Notre Dame just couldn't consistently move the ball, and most right. teams can't. And so, but when you have a system that creates those bigger opportunities, is when you're going to start having more success. This next one, Vince, we're going to play this next clip, and we're going to stop it. Yeah, we can play a it couple parts. times because he talked about a lot. And let me say something: from one long-winded dude to another. <laughs> I enjoy Tommy Reese's press conferences. He's, he's so good. He gets so much information out in a short period of time. And, and he even, look, this is going to be a long-winded answer. I'm like, buddy, you've had like three of those. But I don't mean this <laughs> criticism because if I were to criticize him for being long-winded, I'd be the biggest hypocrite in the face of right. the world. But I like he, he answers he things, so much information out. He, he answers things with with his heart and with his with passion. Yeah, he's, like he's you, you can – he wants to talk about this stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? He, he doesn't want to talk man. about speak. You know what I mean? He that he hasn't maybe he hasn't matured as a coach yet. And he's just I love like, it. I hope he never matures that I, way. I, I, I completely agree with you. Way. I completely I like agree with you. Like that. Let's play this comment from uh from me and Book, the offensive court or excuse me, Tommy Reese, the offensive coordinator in Notre Dame. Now, the other part about you know learning is you know, how to get people in the right position, right? How do we create the offense? Um, there shouldn't be a play where we have a guy where we don't want him. Like, we can control all those things. Um, and and we want to make sure that we are putting the right people in the right spot at the right time um, to allow us to, to take full advantage of what we're trying to do. Okay, first of all, that that's hopefully that speaks to the, the spacing issues that Notre Dame has. Right. Yes, had major spacing issues. But I think it also means more about – to me, I read that also as about more versatility and how you line up. That's how I read it. I could be reading more into that, but to me, it sounds like, hey, we're not just going to move some guys around. It's our, yeah, it's up to us to make we're not sure we're going to keep our, this guy in the, the boundary right. the whole game. It, it, it's it, up to us to put our guys in the best position to be successful. Right. Duh. Good start. Good start. <laughs> I know, right. Yes. Um, you know, just personally, I think, you know, you learn, hey, you go back, you look through your call sheet, you know, you don't get to half the calls. You know, you stay up. Till 1 a.m. Wednesday night, working on third down, and you get seven of them in a the game. So I think it's understanding that these things that we're going to rep during the week need to be the ones that we're going to rep on the game day. And I thought we did a good job of that last year. It's something I'm going to continue to push myself to to make sure that we hone in on those specific things that we want to get accomplished, so that the detail of those plays can be emphasized. Okay, now here's why that's important to me, Vince. Notre Dame's overall. Like they still, to me, take too much offense into each game. Right. But it wasn't as much last year as it had been in the past, especially in the run game. And I, I like that trend, and I'd like to see them continue to do that. To me, the problem with it last year was that when you line up in the same sets constantly and you don't have a lot of offense, 
it's easier to defend when you have play better teams. If you are more willing to move guys around, so hey, you got five pass concepts, but you can run it out of 10 different looks. To right. the defense, it's going to look like you have 50 different pass concepts. And that's what I want to see more of is is maybe fewer concepts, but more di- different ways to get to it personnel-wise. Sure. You know, you can do it one way out of 12. You can do it another way out of 11. You can do it another way out of 20 or 21 personnel, which is two backs. There's all types of different ways to do it. And, and saying, hey, look, we gotta we gotta hone in on what we do best. And, and I love that. That's why I love like Lincoln Riley's like little little yeah. play sheet that's like this big long, you know, this big. Sure. They don't run a lot of stuff. They just do that stuff out of a lot of different looks. Uh and and how they teach their quarterback to read it out. Against this look we're reading here, against this look we're reading here. So no matter what the defense Simple. does to us, we have us we have something for that built into our concept. And I and I like that. Here we go. Um in terms of where we want to go this all what direction we want to go in this offense. Look, this system is one that we are always going to play to our strength. We are not handing them a playbook and say, hey, you fit into this peg. That is not what we're about. We are going to evaluate where our strengths are. We're going to evaluate where we need to improve. And that's how we are going to build the offense. You know, Okay, Vince, I, I, I want to say something about this. Yeah. I get what he's saying, and I think that he believes that. And And here's my hope. I hope that he means something different than what we've seen because – when Brian Kelly talks about we're going to build around our strengths, Brian Kelly to me seems like he's talking about run versus pass. Yeah. And and because you say, well, we're not going to fit you into a peg. That's exactly what they've done in the past game sure. for most of the last decade. Right. It's if you can't, if you don't fit, you know, we're going to run these plays. And if you don't fit that, then we're just not going to use you. Right. Right. The reason that I don't think Tommy Reese is saying it the same way that Brian Kelly says it is what he talked about earlier. Because, again, the reason we're playing all these clips is because they build together. And what I mean by that is what we're seeing more of in the spring clips and things that I'm hearing is we're seeing Lawrence Keyes and Braden Lindsay on the field together, Kyron Williams. And so we're not seeing the big power forward wide receivers all the time, right? And that's what they've done. It's here's the offense, and we're going to find guys. So they wouldn't put a square peg in a round hole. They just put – square peg on the bench and find another round hole. Right. And and even though that other round, you know, that round peg wasn't as good as the square peg, it's just, but he fits what we're doing. What Tommy was saying earlier, what coach Reese was saying earlier, and you combine it with this, if it just was this content, this, this quote with no context, it would concern me because it would be like, well, you can't just change your offense every year. You, Mm. You have to have something you believe in you, but you should always tinker it and evolve it to fit your personnel. But you still have to believe in who you are. And the problem is, is Notre Dame looked in 2020 a whole lot different than they looked in 2019. It's a completely different offense in, in many ways. And, and I don't believe in that. I don't think that's what I mean when I say build it around your best players. I think Coach Reese means it more in the sense that it should be used, which is this is who we are. These are the concepts that we believe in. Sure, but yeah. This year, right. because we have Lawrence Keys and Brayden Lindsay, and we'll get to the, the speed he talked about, we're going to emphasize this over here, whereas last year we didn't emphasize it as much. We emphasized this over here because we had a great offensive line. Sure. And that's the thing I thought about, Vince. Did you kind of read that the same way? Yeah, I mean, it, you're going to – the look of your offense is going to be different if you've got a bunch of Chase Claypools or if you've got, you know, a bunch of Avery Davises. I mean, it's just it's, it's going to look different on the outside. It's going to look different – um, if you have Audric Estime in the backfield uh, versus Kyron Williams, right? Those are mm-hmm. two different backs, okay? So um, 
the concepts can be a little bit different, um, but your whole philosophy shouldn't yeah. be different. Your emphasis I think that's what you're saying. But Correct. You're, yeah. Yes. You're, you're full, you don't change your philosophy from year to year. You right. change your emphasis. Correct. That's the difference. Yes. And whereas Brian Kelly has just changed his offense yes. from year to year. It sounds like Tom Maurice is saying, we have a philosophy we believe in. It's going to look different this year based on the personnel, which he's going to get into here. In and that's fine. Last yeah. year, obviously, we were a veteran offensive line. We this is the part I like. We were a great tight end group. We were able to run the football. We were able to control games. We were able to control the line of scrimmage. We had a shortened off season, which didn't allow us to develop some of the areas we needed to improve on. So we attacked the season in the way that we felt gave us the best opportunity to win every single game. Okay, that is what we're about is winning the games. And so when we take a look at our team and decide this is what we're best at, this is what gives us the best opportunity to win, that's what we were going to do. You know, this year it's a new team, completely new team. Um, you know, we have more speed than we had a year ago. We have multiple running backs that we want to feature. We have a hell of a tight end that we want to feature. So right now we are trying to create as much space on the field as we can. Okay, I saw your face, Vince. <laughs> Just bear with me. Let's not focus on the fact that the okay. same players that are the speed guys he's talking yes. about this year were also on the team last year. Here's I don't what I'm going to say. There. No, I here's what I'm going to say. He's saying we have more speed this year than we had last year. I feel like what he's trying to say is we've got more speed this year than I was allowed to use last year. That's what I, I don't think, think he means that because he would never. He would never uh, kind of take some shot at Coach Kelly. Well, um, I, I there's, there's no more speed this year like, than there was let, last. Year. Let me say it this way, and I think you'll agree with this. There's more speed available to me this year because, in right. his defense, Braden Lindsay was never healthy okay. the entire year. Yeah, absolutely. Lawrence Keys got sick at one point in time. He had some. I mean, there, Kevin Austin got hurt. Didn't play much last year. Okay. So okay. In his defense, there were some legitimate reasons why. Now we could get into well, you know, Xavier right. Watts is pretty athletic. Jordan Johnson's pretty athletic. Right. right. I'm not trying to get into that right now. What my point is is I I think he's saying there's more speed available to me this year fair enough you know, because because chris tyree is emerging you can now use kyron williams differently sure also in their defense i don't think anyone went into last fall thinking that kyron williams is going to be a second team all-american now you and i talked before the year we thought the running back position was going to be better than people thought right i didn't see kyron williams having a second no. team all-american season so so you you can't really it's not like you spent the whole offseason building the offense around Kyron Williams's versatile talents. The kid had four flipping touches the year before, right? right? Now you have you know what he can do as a running back. Now you can build the, you can expand his role where you couldn't have had an expanded role to the degree that you and I would like for him last year. So playing kind of devil's advocate, I understand to a degree why the offense looked the way that it looked last year. I just think they they condensed it too much, in my opinion. But I do like the fact that he's saying, look, this is a completely different group of players. Yeah, And, and, and that ties in perfectly with what we talked about before. Let's let him finish up. To allow our players to go be explosive. That is what this offseason, the focus has been about creating space, creating one-on-one opportunities to allow us to be explosive, um, not only in the passing game, but also in the run game. You know, there's going to be some things that, uh, you know, we're going to have to build some stuff into the run game to get the ball out on the perimeter. We're going to have to, you know, help Ooh. a young offense. Okay. That's RPO. In terms of doing some things. That Let's if we listen to this build again. Some stuff in, not only in the passing game, but also in the run game. You know, there's going to be some things that, uh, you know, we're going to have to build some stuff into the run game to get the ball out on the perimeter. We're going to have to, you know, help a young offensive line in terms of doing some things that if we don't get a great look, 
we have to be able to get the ball outside. And Okay. That's when I started, like, jumping up and be like, yes! Is that not the definition <laughs> of an about RPO? RPO. That's yes. the definition. But you it. know the thing I liked about it, Vince? It's not that he just said they're going to do RPOs, but he explained why, why? it's so important yes. to do it this year, which is you have to be able to protect your offensive line. Correct. You have to. You do, because they're all going to be inexperienced in right. their position. Every right. one of them. And and even if even if Blake Fisher and Rocco Spindler and Kristoffic and Tosh Baker and Lug and Carell are all like ready to go, they're still younger players that have right. less experience, with the exception of Patterson and Lug. You have to be able to protect them. And as we saw in the playoff game, I don't care how good your offensive line plays, if you're a one trick pony, eventually that other team is going to be able to shut you down. Sure. And we saw that in the ACC championship game and in the playoff war. I thought Notre Dame's offensive line played pretty freaking good the first half, especially. But Alabama knew pretty early that hey, I'm gonna let me try to get him without his eyes closed. Look, if we okay, it was kind of creeping me out a little bit. Um, <laughs> so if I stand here like this the whole time, yeah, that's with you. Okay, yeah. Well, you actually last time we had a show, you actually got frozen at one point. Time you had your eyes closed, and I thought you had nodded off <laughs> in the whole show. It's like okay, I know I'm long winded, Vince, but you don't have to nod off in the whole show. <laughs> but but anyway, this to me was a very very important point because it all again, what we're playing you is, is building blocks. They're all building blocks. I, yeah, to absolutely. Me, that's absolutely what is needed. You have to be able to protect the run game to where what this does is if you're going to be throwing the ball outside to Kyron Williams and Avery Davis and Braden right. Braden Lindsay and Lawrence Keys and and Kevin Austin and Jordan Johnson and all those different guys, sure. hopefully Xavier Watts. If you're doing it to all those different guys, then you have to say, okay, are you willing to go isolations outside against the receivers? And if you are, because you want to, you want to attack the run game. If you are, that's fine. But but they're going to rip off some big plays, and, and that's the, why the speed part of it is important. Because you have you have to have guys that threaten the defense. If you're going to reduce the box, and Notre Dame's going to run a quick bubble screen to Braden Lindsey or a quick look screen to Braden Lindsey, you better hope that your linebacker has great speed to be able to get outside there before he's creased the defense. Because once that happens, it's over. It's over. Yep. And 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 Chip Long really used Braden Lindsey effectively in 2019. I would have liked to see him do it more. You know, we talked about this at the time where he would kind of run a play and then we wouldn't see him for a while. I would like to see him use yeah. more as also as a decoy. But I think that's the key for him. And then Lawrence Keys can do some different things. So I I, I loved hearing that because that's that's exactly like you said, Vince. He's defining what an RPO is. Correct. How else do you get the ball outside on a run play? But let, let's let's he play it again. One opportunity is what. This offseason, the focus has been about creating space, creating one-on-one -on -one opportunities to allow us to be explosive, um, not only in the passing game, but also in the run game. You know, there's going to be some things that, uh, you know, we're going to have to build some stuff into the run game to get the ball out on the perimeter. We're going to have to, you know, help a young offensive line in terms of doing some things that if we don't get a great look, we have to be able to get the ball outside. And look, that, that's if you don't get a great look, you got to get the ball outside. Mm. The first part you could take as, well, he's just talking about outside running plays. Okay. But then he doubled down and said, if we don't get the right look, we can get the ball outside. Yep. And to me, that's that's the key. That's what I love to hear. Because that is such an important part to this whole thing. Like if we create a one-on-one -on -one opportunity out there, and um, that can lead to explosive plays. So all of that stuff has been um, fun and, and exciting to start to develop, to start to install, to see um, what we've been able to master and what we're still working at. Um, and that's going to be fluid throughout the spring and throughout May and June. And then obviously as we lead into camp and we get a better feel for who we are, that's when we start to tailor down in, in what we want to do. Uh, 
So that, that last part too, he's talking about tailor down. That means they're throwing a lot at you in the spring to see what Absolutely. they're good at. Yeah, you know, for hey, sure. and that's what you let's should. try. That's exactly what the spring should be for. And hey. especially with all these new parts and pieces. Mm -hmm. I mean, that that's you know, not only are you replacing your whole offensive line, you're going to be doing some different stuff with your backfield, and you've got pretty much a new cast of characters at right. wide receiver and a quarterback. So I mean. I love the fact that they're throwing a bunch the of stuff out there. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Because you may great. think a certain guy is going to be good at something. You may say, hey, look, I really think Brain Lindsay's going to be good at this or Lawrence Keys is going to be good at this. Sure. Or I think Michael Mayer can do this because of what he's done in the past. And then you do it and you're like, eh, you know, or, hey, I right. liked it, but we just couldn't protect it. Right. Because sure. sometimes, Jay, I've, look, I've come up with some really good pass concepts where we rep it on Tuesday and you're just like, yeah, the quarterback got hit every time. You're like, okay, we can't do that because we can't protect long enough you know, to, to, to do that read. And then you say, okay, well, how can we, how can we do that? Maybe we max pro it, you know, something like that. Maybe we sure. do it off play action. And then you alter. And then sometimes you can say, yeah, the concept's great, but we just, we don't have the personnel for it. Can't or execute it. Yeah. We can't execute it. Right. And that's, what's so great about the spring yep. is you can try these things. Hey, let's, you know, or maybe, Hey, I don't think he can do this, but let's give him a shot. And then you're like, oh, wow, he's, he's a much better vertical route runner than right. I thought he was going to be or something like that. The other thing too is, Guys like Lawrence Keyes and Braden Lindsay are, are never going to be great against a player like Patrick Sertain, right? Just because they're so much smaller. Sure. And that's another reason why RPOs are important, but it's another reason why the motions and the adjustments are important because it's going to be a lot harder to, to, to press those two players if they're moving, to your point earlier about Devontae Smith. And so those are all important things that 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 to me factor factor into what they're doing and look what you and I what you and I talked about from the beginning Vince was at the very beginning of this offseason was would Brian Kelly allow Tommy Reese to use his youth to use right. the fact that he came up in a different era to use his football you know knowledge which sure. is different from Brian Kelly's Brian Kelly is a wicked smart coach but you know, has, has Brian Kelly really kept up with all the latest, you know, things that, that are right. happening in college football? I don't think that he is based on his own comments, you right. know, and and Tommy Reese does. So that's what led to my question that I yeah. asked him yeah. that I want to play. And and, and I want to – I'm not going to give my opinion, Vince. You and I actually have not talked about this. I just want to see if you took what he said about that the same way that I did. This is his response to a question that I asked him. Um last week yeah so i'm gonna this might be a little bit of a long-winded answer um yeah i Nothing think there were some strengths that. last year and there are some cornerstones of what you believe in offensively that you feel like need to carry over and that you need to continue to to work at and get good at and push right that's that's obvious everybody has their core beliefs and this is what we're going to do um look i don't have a family i don't have you know many obligations besides this job so I'm fortunate that I'm able to pour a lot of time into studying the game of football. And I've been around the game my entire life, something I'm extremely passionate about. It's something I love to do. So as you study, you know, different people and what they're doing and how are people creating opportunities, you know, the creativity and the ideas start to flow. So. All right, Vince. Okay. What would you think of that? Well, first of all, I love the fact that he is – and not to say he was never invested. That's not the right word. But the fact that he is so invested in what he's doing that he is reaching out to other – maybe he's not reaching out, but he's at least studying 
I'm sure he's reaching out. Doing. I'm sure he is. Most too. coaches are really good about that. Absolutely. And, Especially and that's, if you're not on their schedule. And I, I will I will I will say this. When I first started coaching, and even at the high school level, um, I was shocked and amazed at what a brotherhood it is uh, at the coaching level and how ideas are just shared so freely. Right. I mean, you know, we would go as a staff to other schools, you know, whether it be college or high school, and, and mm-hmm. they would open it up. They're like, hey, watch whatever you need to watch. You know, mm-hmm. if you have any questions, let us know. Like, that's what people I don't think understand. You know what I mean? Like, if if this is all hyperbole, obviously, but if Brian Kelly picked up the phone and called Nick Saban and was like, hey, I, I want to know more about your power run game or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. he'd be like, hey, you know, it, not yeah. this day and age, they might just send the film over. You know right. what I mean? But uh, back in the day, hey, come on down, you know, yeah. and, and sit in a meeting or or whatever. Well, you, like, you, I mean, we had one. There was one time when I was at Christopher Newport, Vince, where we had it was it was us. It was our staff. It was Al Grow and his staff. So it was like Mike Grow, Anthony Poindexter. I can't remember who their D coordinator was. I think Al Grow was our D coordinator at the time. And then it was the Bowling Green staff. So like Tim Beck, uh, Tim Beckman. Uh, and his whole crew kind of came down, and we're all in our offices at CNU just talking ball, sharing ideas, yeah, asking right. questions, picking picking each other's brains. You, yep. you know, and there yep. were times where the D one coaches would ask us, "Well, what do you guys do out of this?" Sure, you, you sure. know, and say, "Well, why don't you do this?" Well, we love the concept and it would work, but we don't have a quarterback that's got the arm to bang that post right over the top, so we can't. You know, we can't do it. But yeah, right. you know, here here's so you just you have all those conversations, the free exchange uh, of ideas, yeah, and, and, and yeah. Things like that are awesome, and I love and, the fact that he's tapping into that. Right. Um, I and think he said, look, I don't have a family. Look, Tommy Reese right. is not married. This is what I mean. Sure. He's not married. He doesn't have kids. He doesn't have extra right? responsibilities like that. You know, so, so you know, for like a guy like Mike Elson, for example, you know, after practice one day, he may have to hustle over because his daughter's in a swim meet or his daughter's in a fencing competition sure. or, you know, all those types of different things. And whereas with Tommy Reese, it's like, okay, and this is what I, I mean, I love being married. I love my wife, but there were times when I was younger where I could just go home and watch film all night and not have to sure. worry about making dinner for order pizza and, you know, not have to worry about making dinner, spending time with the missus. And that's where Tommy Reese is right now. So he can really consume. He can go watch Oklahoma for two, for a whole day. Right. He can just right. pop in the OU film. Yeah, exactly. he, can, he can watch it. And what you do as a coach, when you're doing that is you don't say, okay, we're going to take their five best pass concepts and we're going to use them. Cause that does not works. You have to be able to say, okay, well, we can't do that because we don't have Hollywood Brown, or we can't do that because we don't have Devonte Smith. But we, the principle of what they're doing, the we concept, can adapt yeah, because right. we yep. have this. Yep, yep, yep. So they may have used Devonte Smith for that, but we're going to use Kyron Williams for that because we feel like when we have two running backs in the game, we're going to get this personnel, which means instead of having Devonte Smith matched up against a nickel, we're going to have Kyron Williams matched up against a linebacker. Now we can execute that concept. So sure. There's or where we may use Michael Mayer in a way that they use their slot receiver. And, and so and we may adapt the concept to fit in this way. And so that's what you do. You don't just take their playbook and, and add it to yours. You adapt what they're doing to what you do and what you believe in. And then you alter your philosophy if need be. Hey, if we like these concepts, if we're going to do this stuff, if we like what OU is going to do, if we like what Clemson does, if we like what Ohio State does, then we have to go faster. Right. We can't do that and just go like, you know, snap the ball at five seconds on the clock. That's where you can then alter your philosophy in sure. that we want to adapt some of these principles. We want to get the ball outside. We want to do RPOs. Well, if you're going to do RPOs, then you can't then be a slow-moving offense. Sure. And that's the part we don't know an answer to. We don't know if Notre Dame is going to push the 
the the the tempo at all. But they're going to need to because that's kind of, that's got to be part of of what you're doing. I want to address some of the guys are talking about the whole I don't have a family comment, and I just wanted to address it for this reason. Look, I'm not saying that people with families work less hard than people without family. That's not what I'm saying at all. It's just one less commitment that you have. It's right. one less thing on your plate. There, there so are advantages can... as a coach to not having a family. No question. No, it, it, doesn't it, mean... it may seem like a bad right. comment, but it is. It, 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 right. It's we just talk, a fact. Mike Elson works his butt off. Mike Elson's done a great yes. job at Notre Dame. But the fact is, is Mike Elson just can't sit there for four straight days and just you know turn the lights off and turn the projector on and right. just watch OU film because he's got a wife and he's got yes. kids. Exactly. It's That's not better. Not it, it, it's not necessarily. Well, I'll say it. It is better sometimes if you're a younger coach that doesn't have a family because and, you can yes. you can consume a lot more without those other. Ob, they're not distractions. They're obligations. And so, yes, it is an advantage, especially now the timing of it now. So in three years, if Tommy meet, Reese meets a young lady uh, and he gets married and has kids in three, four years, it's not going to hurt him at all. It's not going to be a, a hindrance because he's kind of built his foundation as a coach. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. exactly. And, and that's the thing is where yep. where it's it's good for Tommy Reese right now because he is learning. He is growing. Right. He is adapting and evolving as a coach. Now is the time for him to sit there and say, uh, hey, let's go. You know, right. this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to sure. just I'm going to spend the next month diving into film. Right. I can't watch as much film now as I used to. Yeah, because I have other obligations and right. running a business and then with my wife and those types. Exactly. Of things. And people with families work just as hard. Don't. And mm-hmm. that's not what I'm saying at all. It's just yeah, it just is what it is. You know, you have to compartmentalize when I come home from a practice or a game. I got to dial in on the family. You know what I mean? And I, I love it. That's great. They keep right. me grounded. You know what I mean? And uh, But it's just those are now hours in the day where I'm not focused on coaching. Right. It's just a fact, right? right. So, you have anyway, to be a lot more structured to, when you have yeah. a family. I just wanted know? to address and, that. That's all. Yeah. It, 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 again, for Tommy Reese, I think it's probably a good thing. But uh, in three years, it'll it'll be a little different sure. situation. So, I, I, but, but I also like the fact beyond that part, because we kind of went off on the, the family we tangent. For bit. me. Which I understand because that's kind of the direction that people took it in the comment section. Yes. For me, I took it as he is doing what we had hoped he would do. Correct. Which is <clears throat> yep. go look. Hey, you say you what did he say earlier? We're here to win games. We're here to win all our games. Right. He didn't say all of our regular season games. He didn't say, Well, our goal is to go twelve and zero, and we're okay getting our butt kicked in the playoffs as long right. as we go twelve and zero. He didn't say that. Our goal is to win all of our games. Yeah. Right. I take that as all the games. And, and so when I look at it, the comments, it's, okay, here's who's winning those games. Bama's winning those games. Clemson's winning those games. Ohio State's winning those games to a degree. And then you got to think, well, uh, okay, Oklahoma's not winning those games, but they're scoring enough points to win those games. Well, they don't have Marcus Freeman and Clark Lee on right. their on their deal. You know, They're not recruiting defensively the way that we are. Well, what if we had that kind of offense with our kind of defense, kind of like what LSU did in 2019, right? You watch the LSU offense, and you look at those teams and say, what are they doing to be successful? And then there's two sure. ways to look at it. What are they doing philosophically? Three mm-hmm. ways, really. What are they doing philosophically? How are they using their personnel? And then what are they doing schematically? And the schematic part always comes last to me. Because if you don't understand the philosophy behind what they're doing, then you're not going to properly understand how they implement their schemes. And so to me, that's why I look at it is how do they use personnel? You know, what's their philosophy? How do they use personnel? And then what are the schemes they do to do that? Because that's where you get to, if you understand the philosophy, you may say, hey, look, we like our schemes. 
But because we're altering our philosophy, we can adapt our schemes and do them a little differently. So, you sure. know, we like this concept, but instead of doing this concept with a backside high-low, you know, that's what I grew up on, right? When I was a pass game coordinator, the way the teams played, we didn't get a whole lot of split field coverage back then, Vince. It was you're either in two, you're in four, right. you're in three. That's how it is in my So level. we could build concepts to where – you know we're gonna we're gonna run the smash. We're gonna call smash. So that that is like an outside look, little hitcher smash route, and then an inside guy runs a corner route. We're gonna call smash, but we're gonna have a backside built in to where if if you're in cover two, we're reading a smash. We're banging a smash. If you're in cover four with a flat defender tucked inside, we're gonna bang the smash because we're gonna hit the we're gonna hit the hitch right. But if you're in cover three, we're in trouble. Okay, uh, so. We would then build in concepts backside that if they took away our front, our, 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 or we'd run curl flat. We call curl flat if they're in cover three, we crush it. If they're, if we're calling curl flat and we're in cover, they're in cover two, we don't love that look. So you build in yeah. the backside concept to say, if they're in this, then we're going to bang the backside. We're going to hit up a, a high low concept. I like doing different types of high lows because if you're in cover three, we're going to isolate that, that backside inside backer. It's going to work back towards our concept and then we read it that way. Or you'd call mirror concepts. You know, there's you all do all types of different things, and and now it's because teams do so much split field concepts. Teams are doing more multiple concepts within a call. So you may have a smash to one side, and you're running a completely independent concept backside. And so that's I actually has think has created more opportunities for teams to run fewer plays because you have those combined concepts that will attack the the split field type of look. Sure. So. I think those are things you do, but say, okay, well, we don't need to change. We have all those concepts, but we haven't run them together or we haven't used them to attack this, or we haven't run those out of bunch, or we only run it out of bunch. This team's running it out of, out of a more spread look and it's really worked for them. Those are the things you say. So it's more about adapting it based on understanding the philosophy yeah. than it is necessarily, Hey, they run this concept. Let's run that. I don't think that 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 is what coaches do that to me don't really get fo- we you'd get those guys right you'd see them at the coaches clinics oh I I like that let's run that you you know and sure and then you're like okay but but do you know what defenses it works against do you know why why they do it uh, that works for them hey oh this team this team runs their corner routes at 15 yards okay they do that because they have a four four receiver you have a four six receiver you can't do that right. Oh, it, it, running it at 15 yards really helps them, you know, be more effective. Well, they do that because they have the personnel to do that, right? Right. right. And so you have to understand the concept of why they're doing it before you can do it. And that's to me what I took from Tommy Reese's comments was they're more looking at what are these teams doing big picture to make them be so successful, and how can we adapt some of those principles to what we do? Because it's not about scheme for me. It's really not. It, that's a byproduct of. A philosophical shift, mm-hmm. and that's why we focus so much this offseason, Vince, on changing the philosophy more than we've talked about. You've got to really look. This concept works for this team, so you got to run more of that. That to me isn't how it works. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I, I'm with you 100. Coaches have to understand how it applies to your team, and I think that's what Tommy Reese is doing. I think he's applying what he's seeing from other teams, he's taking bits and pieces and he's applying it to his group. And I think he's excited about it. You can tell by the sound of his voice. I, I think he's excited about, you know, working with these guys and, and using, utilizing what he's finding uh, to, to make them successful. Mm-hmm. And I, I do agree with the fact that 
this is probably the first opportunity that he's really had to kind of put his stamp on this offense, considering they didn't have a spring last year. And so they were kind of, you know, I give them the benefit of the doubt that they were kind of hamstrung to fall back into their old ways, right? They didn't right. really have an opportunity. When you only have fall camp, there's a lot less that you can get accomplished, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, there you go. That that exact comment and this right is, there. This is a fair point. And look, I agree. yes, I was critical of the offense last year, and there yes. are things that they should have done differently. But we also have to understand that it was a unique year. It was you had one spring practice with a you know a lot of young players. You had points in the year where you had to pause because of COVID tests. Sure. Uh, you, you know, you, you it just it was such a different situation. You couldn't meet as much as a team. You couldn't meet in some of the big groups. You you had to be careful with how many things you. I mean, there just it was just such a weird year where you can say, hey, look, I get it. I don't agree with it, but I get it. Right. Exactly. And also because you had that really good defense, veteran quarterback, veteran O-line, you were better able to just say, hey, let's just go get the W. Right. And that's that's what – and I don't like that because I think that doomed them to automatically not be competitive on the big stage at the end of Agreed. the year. Yeah. But at the same time, maybe if they tried more, they would have had that turnover against Louisville that cost them the game. Right. Maybe they would have had an early turnover against Clemson that would have cost them the November 7th game, and maybe they never even get to that postseason game. So sure. I get it to a degree, and I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to, I'm not just being devil's advocate. I, I, felt I mean, like it was they're, they're a little bit. You know what I mean? They're like kind of yeah. did what they needed to do to get from game to right. game to game. And, and I just they didn't, didn't always agree with the specific sure. things they did, but I, I understand because you yeah. didn't have Braden Lindsay healthy. I mean, because oh, you should have played Braden Lindsay more. Why? Yeah. He was hurt. Right. When and he did Austin get in the game, hurt. he was getting and, no yeah. separation because he was not full speed. You know, say, hey, they should have played Jordan Johnson and Lawrence Keys, and that it is what it is, right? But what I like from what I'm hearing from Coach Reese is that Reese is that I really feel like they understand that just doing it the way we did it, yes, isn't isn't getting us over the hump. And that I'm, big picture, Vince, is what I took away from that. And I have to say, there's a piece of me that's a little surprised, to be honest with you, that we're hearing everything that we want to hear right now, and I don't. I really don't believe that that Coach Reese is giving us lip service. I really I love that comment, by the way. I just want to say that I when he put that up there, I started laughing while you were talking um, because it was amazing. It was it was I have been there and done that. Let me tell you. Um, yes. So but anyway, so Connor, you are still in my Hall of Fame for comments, by the way. Um but no, I, I'm I am I am pleasantly surprised. I'm a little bit, uh, like I said, I'm, I am surprised, but I'm excited. I'm excited about the prospect of what Tommy Reese brings to the table, and everything that we hoped he would be—young, innovative, all these different things—we might have an opportunity to mm-hmm. see. Now, I still want to see it. I, I mean, I still right. need to see it, but. Everything is being said the right way. Right. Um, what we're seeing on the three-minute videos is what we would expect to see based on those comments. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. I really am excited. I don't think we're going to get you know a ton on Saturday, mm-hmm. um, but September, October, man, I I'm pumped. I am really well, pumped. One thing we said was is that that Tommy Reese. I have not changed my opinion of whether or not he should have been hired in 2020. Right. That, that was never I'm the with point. You. What we also said was, in time, he could be really good at this. Well, now we're we're going to start to see that the 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 fact that he shouldn't have been hired last year, in my opinion, is going to help him for the future. Sure, it hurt Notre Dame's offense, in my opinion, in twenty twenty, but it's going to help the offense moving forward. And I think this year is going to be an example of that, Vince, because we are going to see 
those opportunities for for um, this offense to start utilizing the speed that you and I believe that actually is there. Sure. And, and that's that's what's going to be interesting. So um, that's it for this part of the show. Vince, we have a couple questions. Do you still have a few minutes? Can yeah, we get some couple. of these questions? I got a couple. Okay. I don't know if this is appropriate, but Tommy Leonard asked this before you showed up, Vince. I saw. If, is Vince, if so, can he tell us the best? dodgeball knockout story uh, the district you share that story yes so uh my first year as a high school pe teacher was three years ago and we would combine classes uh me and this other gym teacher uh pe physical education uh instructor uh we would combine classes and we would do class versus class uh in dodgeball uh on fridays Mm -hmm. and there was a kid who was a sophomore at the time and we would literally play dodgeball in this class just to watch him pick everybody off. Uh, he would, it was a one man show and I could not stop myself from laughing every time he would just, and, and everything was fair. It's high school. Everything was fair game. Everything. I mean, he'd be taking, taking so he was kids out. He, he was the patches of Houlihan of, of yes. your, your middle and it school was, dodgeball. It was, okay. it was glorious. It was, it okay. was glorious. Now he's a senior and he's the ace of my pitching staff. No surprise. Mm-hmm. He touches about 85, 86. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can imagine what those dodgeballs look like. It was, it, it's, it, he hit one kid uh, who had glasses. I'm sorry. And the glasses went flying, split in half. Like it was, it was a slow motion in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was great. Here's a comment from Jacob Steely. Uh, in my opinion, Ian's lack of throwing guys open, reading the field, and throwing on time is why he was always running for his life. How many times does he drop back and throw hardly ever? I, I think there's a lot to that. And that's kind of our thing is I think having a quarterback that can process information, get the ball out on time, have good anticipation, throw guys open is going to make it's going to make this offense better. Look, we read this when we when Chase Claypool and Cole Komet were coming out. We heard we heard a lot of criticisms from NFL scouts about Ian Book not finding open receivers and how their numbers should have been better. You can say you agree or disagree and you can point to 30 and five. I don't care about all that. I'm just telling you what NFL scouts see and what I see when I break down the film. Give me a quarterback that can do those things, and this offense is going to be a lot better. And my even if they don't make big changes schematically, it's going to get better. Now that with change, changing yeah. philosophy to me is where yeah. you see the big jump, and that's what I'm hoping that we see. Um, we see the big jump on there. So, uh, Vince, here's a here. See if we got any more of these football questions before we jump over to um, the other question. Okay, here's a question for you, Vince. From Jawan Lee, who are you most excited to see during the Blue Gold game, even though it's not really a game? Well, I do want I do want to see Jack Cohen. I think that's an, that's a pretty simple answer. Some of the guys are saying Isaiah Foskey. I agree with that. I want to see him kind of unleashed as a starter. I I, I like that. Uh, I don't think we're going to get a whole lot from the offensive line. Maybe some individual performances, uh, but not as a group, uh, just because of the, some of the injuries and some of the guys not playing full strength and things of that nature. You're not. And and let me. Uh, there was a, another question there about the O line needing work and and mm-hmm. you know they need to be passable and all this other stuff. One of, one of the guys on the beat had a video where the offensive line got beat pretty bad and there was a safety and they, they you know they were working on being backed up to the goal line and his comment was uh, this is not a good look for the starting offensive line. It wasn't the starting offensive line first number one that that's my issue. Like the narrative right now is that everybody needs to be paying attention to the offensive line. Well, you had two 
starters because Josh Lug was out that day, and so was Jarrett Patterson. They were he was out, so two fifths of the starting offensive line was out, and I believe it was like the fourth string tight end was on the side that got beat. So uh, Bauman or I, who I can't remember the tight end who who it was. I think you said you said it was Mitchell Evans. Evan Mitchell Evans. There you go. So my issue is let's not push the narrative of the offensive line super struggling because as Brian has said, they're moving guys around so much right now. They haven't had a chance to get comfortable in their own spots. I think there's going to be a big difference once we get to the fall. Sure. So, hope so. I, I'm really yeah. hoping that people and aren't, you know, best throwing their hands in the air and their best like, offensive oh, the offensive line has played terrible. zero snaps this well, spring too. It's exactly right. I mean, I, so let's hold off our judgment on the offensive line during the blue goal game. That's I do want to make a, I do want to make a comment about this from Chris, uh, and Chris always brings a lot of good insights, and he leaves really good comments on uh, our, our YouTube channel. All these weapons are flashy, but got to give that got to got to have that O line perform to a serviceable level and practices. You hear about all about the seven on sevens and how the offense is dominating. That's exactly why you need more RPOs. Th- th- again, can you have a bad offensive line and still score a mess of points? No. But in 2018 or 2019, Oklahoma lost Kyler Murray and four starting offensive linemen that I believe were all drafted within their first four rounds. Okay. And I think at least two of them are starting right now in the NFL. And the next year, they went out and still scored 42 points per game. Okay. They had a grad transfer quarterback in Jalen Hurts and still scored 42 points a game, won the Big 12, went to the college football playoffs. Sure. Okay. With a pretty bad defense that year. So to me, you, you can scheme your way. This is college. The best offensive coaches know how to scheme their way to, to, to where you don't need your offensive line to play like Notre Dame's offensive line did in 2020 or 2017, where they're just taking over games. Part of the, 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 the aspects of RPOs, part of the aspects of – and then building your offense around those RPOs because not right. every throw is an RPO is because now you get teams thinking, okay, is this an RPO? And then so maybe then the safeties aren't as – gung-ho coming downhill because they've got to protect that backside RPO throw that you've been throwing. And so now you've got one less guy to defend. Now you've protected your offensive line. The point is, however, is there's a lot of things you can do to where, where you don't need an elite offensive line to be successful. I think this offensive line was never going to be looking like gangbusters by the end of the spring. It was never something that we no. considered. We just wanted to know at least the two or three of the spots, at least three of the spots were settled as far as who's going to start. I don't think that's going to be the case. Well, I think we're going to be close. I think I think that Josh Lugg's going to start. I think Zeke Carell's going to start. We know that that, uh, and Jared I think Patterson right now at this start. point in time, I think Blake Fisher's going to start. And then of course, but Jer- I'm talking about the guys that are practicing oh, okay. in the spring. I think Blake Fisher's going to start. I just think now it's about who's the four starter going to be or fifth starter going to be, at least based on what I'm hearing. But but I I just think they've got twenty at least twenty five more practices to go right. in the fall. And they're going to take their lumps this spring, and they're going to be better coming out. At least they should. If the line doesn't play well this year, there's no excuse. There's no, we lost four starters BS. Because I I just pointed out, Oklahoma did that and lost Kyler Murray. With all due respect to 30-5 and Ian Book, he ain't Kyler Murray. Nope. Can we all agree on that? Right? And they still went out and went to the playoff the next year. Okay? Uh, So with with four new starting offensive linemen. So I, I think to me... To me, that is kind of where um, they let. Here's a great, a great thing from Brian Denbo. (laughs) If the QB room is a mess at the end of the year, maybe a Boston College grad transfer. (laughs) Hilarious. 
as much as I would love that, Brian, it ain't, ain't happening. Happen. Yeah, <laughs> and I also don't think the QB room is going to be a mess. I, I think no, the QB I, room is one of the one of the best rooms that they've got right Vince, now. Vince, I'm going to say this. You tell me if you agree with it. I have zero doubt or concern about the quarterback position, yep. and I don't care who the starter is. I, I, I really agree with don't. that too. I, I think Notre Dame is going to be just fine at quarterback. I, I have, I have, you have not heard me one time say, "Man, I'm I'm a little nervous about the quarterback room." I, I'm not. I don't care who starts. Right. I, I really don't. I, I think the quarterback is Jack Cohn took a team to the Big Ten title with far less talent around him at every right. position except one. And that's running back. With all due respect to Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree. They're not Jonathan Taylor, but everywhere else, the other nine spots, I'll take Notre Dame over Wisconsin. Okay. I'm sorry. I will. Uh, and, and that was a pretty challenging schedule. I had to play Penn state and play Ohio state sure. twice. They had to play Oregon. They had to play Michigan. This is not that schedule. Right. This and so to me, schedule. and that was his first year as a starter. So I I'm confident in the quarterback room, Vince, that is, that is not to me, that is not, um, a concern at all yep. for me. Agreed. And then here's the last one, Vince. We're going to end on this, okay? There's some interesting debate because my wife and I were having this debate the other night. Any thoughts on the 2001, 2021, Ooh. the shirt design? I really haven't had a chance to analyze it. I saw it. It's a Kelly Green, I believe. It's got some – it has some Era Parsegian uh, – Era quote. quote on the back. Era quote on the back. Yeah. I'm a fan of Era Parsegian, so I'm okay with that. Um, I, I honestly, I'm trying to remember the design. Are you looking for it right now? I'm trying to, I'm trying to find it so I can pull it up and show it. Yeah, here we go. All right, I, I'm going to need a refresher. Yeah, here we go. I'm going to share this here with you so you can look at. It. I actually personally like it. I, I know I'm in the minority here, but I actually like it. Um, that's it right there. No, strong and true with the helmet. I, right. Simple. I like that. My wife's comment was she wasn't sure if she liked that because she said she it looks like someone's punching the helmet, not holding the helmet, which I think they're it does kind of look I like had that punching. I had that uh, I had that poster in my room mm-hmm. growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, that exact poster of the whole and it was like the old school painted helmet, you know. It was probably from like the early nineties, maybe the late eighties. Um, so I, I guess I'm partial to yeah. uh, to that picture. Yeah, I I, I like it. Apparently, I have a fire drill, uh, <laughs> Vince. So I'm gonna have to go. Uh, but it's been nice talking to everybody. I'll talk to you later. Is it o- is it over now? No, okay. they're talking to us, telling us to evacuate the building. Okay. So I right, hope I'm gonna head out. But right, I buddy. hope you guys have a great rest of your day. <laughs> All right, that's gonna be it for uh, for uh, this week this today's episode i hope you guys enjoyed it hope guys and gals enjoyed it uh we'll be back tomorrow we'll have another podcast tomorrow we'll dive into some recruiting stuff we're going to talk nfl draft we got a lot going on and it it is tuesday april 27th uh at 4 p.m uh eastern time i'm going to start a three-hour co-host on wsbt sports beat with sean steyer so we're going to be talking about uh, the nfl draft we're going to be talking about uh the upcoming blue gold game. So we're going to have a lot of different topics to talk about. So you can actually, if you're not in the area, it's okay. Download the WSBT sports beat and you can actually listen to Sean and I show. So it'll be about, it'll be from four to seven. Uh, So I'll be co-hosting it during that period of time. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'll always love talking ball with Darren and Sean. Darren, I believe is out of town today. Uh, So Sean and I are going to be doing the show together. So check it out. WSBT sports beat from four to seven Eastern. And uh, we'll, we'll get with you then. So, and then we'll be back tomorrow. So appreciate everybody being a part of the show today. And we'll talk to everybody again very, very soon. 
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.